Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited today. We're talking with Joe Grubbs. He's an incredible leader serving a great church in Ohio. And I love this guy's heart. And today we're talking about the profile of a leader. How do you know the kind of leader that you're looking for and what specific things do you need uh, in order to find that high level leader? It's a great conversation. So let's jump in. Well, man, thanks for being on the call and thanks for being a part of the podcast today. It's so good. And how can I help you today? How can I serve you? What's on your mind? All right. A couple questions. Uh, we are growing and expanding and uh, yeah. God's done some amazing things. But uh, one of the areas I'm overseeing is volunteers. So the oh. question I have here is how do we recruit and train new volunteers, especially if they're in limited time, if they're working two jobs and can't get them here a lot. So recruit them and then trying to get them in the pipeline. And uh, today's yeah. society, everybody's busy. Sure, sure. That's a great question. So, yeah, I think that's a, it's a great question because you're really talking about recruiting and retaining. How right. do we how do we recruit? How do we retain? And such an important part. First of all, it's a it's an important part. I think in church, you know, just um, creating the tribe. I think uh, the one thing I've always said is the bigger the core, the bigger the apple. Okay. Uh, so the bigger core group you grow of, of, of people, volunteers, man, the bigger things get. So. The first question is, how do you actually recruit them? And <clears throat> I think there's a couple things. One, I think that you have to have a pathway. Okay, so I'm I'm new to the church, uh, been there a couple times. What do you want me to do? Uh, you want me to go to the back table and get a jar of jelly, and that's my <laughs> my little gift? <laughs> or or am I supposed to go get a mug or something? You know, or a little coffee mug. Uh, what do you want me to do? Like, do I go to meet the pastor somewhere? Do I like what's the process? I don't think that people right. think that through a lot. So okay. number one is recruiting. To me, is creating a funnel. That's not the only way. We'll get to the other okay. way, but it's. <clears throat> excuse me, it's creating a funnel that says, okay, so I'm here for the, I'm here. I kind of like the church. Now, what do you want me to do? Then what do you want me to do? Is there a, is there a coffee with the pastor where I get to know the pastor and a couple key leaders and there's 10 of us in the room and you're going to tell me how I can get plugged in. So important that we figure out the easiest, clearest pathways. Uh, and, uh, clarity, I always say clarity, movement, alignment, and focus. Uh, okay. you got to have clarity, movement, alignment, and focus. You got to keep everybody moving in that direction. So that's such an important part, figuring that out. Uh, I think is really an important part and having that strategy. A second thing is you got to get your team, your staff, they've got to be thinking recruiting all the time. And, okay. If you just teach them to recruit or tell them to recruit, that's good. But it's so much better if you do it in blocks. Like, hey, for the next 60 days, we're going to go on a 60-day run where we're going to try to recruit. And every one of us, you, you'll do four, you'll do four, you'll do four, I'll do four. You know, together we'll have whatever, 20. Um, and then you go on a 60-day run and keep them accountable. If you just tell them to recruit, buy them a book about recruiting or something like that or tell them to recruit – uh, I think that, you know, you're going to have to hold them accountable to it. And so okay. that's another way, because <clears throat> think about it for a minute. If you, if you have a pathway that you've made clearly have figured out and you're getting people going down that pathway, but now your team is also recruiting as well. Let's say 15 to 20 people every 60, 90 days, man, by the end of the year, if you could have 70 or 80 new volunteers, think about that in 12 months. Wow. So one, you got to have a pathway. Two, you got to get your team engaged in recruiting. It has to be more of that one-on-one -on -one approach. <clears throat> and one thing I'll say is, 
if you teach your team to recruit, Joe, and I've met your team, I've been at your church, done coaching there. Um, one thing for sure is you're going to want to make sure that they know how to recruit. Okay. Not everybody's good at it. You know, not everybody's a natural. You're an outgoing dude. And, uh, you know, I've talked many times. We joke. We have a good time. We're both outgoing guys. It's probably not that hard for us. But some of the team, maybe it, it's a little a little harder to do. It's a little intimidating. Yeah. And I think teaching them to do that. And one of the one of the ways I always tell people, I always give an example. I literally give out a, a little little drama presentation where I'm like, okay, you meet two people. Their names are Steve and Linda, you know, and say they're somewhat new to the church or they've been going to the church for a while. I don't know. You walk up to them and you're like, hey, Steve and Linda, how you doing? And say, oh, I'm doing great. How are you? And I'm showing as if I'm recruiting. You know, Steve and Linda, every time you walk into this church, you always have the biggest smiles on your face. And, 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 and you just, you guys walk in, you're like the Ken and Barbie of our church. And then, you know, they kind of laugh a little bit and like, you're, you're both just such amazing people. You have amazing smiles and everybody that sees you just greets you so well. I think there's a way that we could take that amazing smile and that amazing personality of yours. And I think we could do something really cool for God in the church with it. Is there a way that you and I could talk this week? Bro, you do that. That's what, 45 seconds? Right. And you finish it with, this, hey, you, you compliment them. You tell them, I think there's a really cool way that God could use your amazing ability. And I was wondering if you and I could talk about it this week. And I'm telling you, if you teach people to simply follow that, that simple pattern, get your team to follow that pattern and get them to start recruiting and watch what happens. And now as it pertains to the time, that's where I think it's important because when you're dealing with even volunteer staff, which I think you've got some people that are a little yeah. bit more staff, but they're practically volunteer. That's where I think it's so important with your key high level volunteers. And I'll kind of speak to that for a moment. Right. I think it's so important, Joe, that, that they, um, that, that you work with them on their mission critical. Okay. okay so for instance, okay. Um, Mission critical is what are the things that you want them to do that is so critical to that area of ministry? I don't want them doing all this. I just want them doing this. So if you have a full-time youth pastor, a full-time children's pastor, full-time worship pastor, you're able to lay out like, look, these are the things that we want you to be doing and focusing on. However, when it comes down to a volunteer that's like, uh, I've got three hours a week I can give you. Okay. Okay. But it, I think it's so important that the leader knows where they want them to spend that three hours. Okay. What, what do they want them to do? What they, how do they want them to function? So when you have a middle to high level volunteer, it's important that the staff is able to say, okay, you're helping out with the children's department. And of the three hours you're willing to help out, okay, during the week, not on Sunday morning, but just even during the week, here's what I need you to do. Here's what would be extremely important. If, if, and, and, and teach your staff to this. If they give away tasks, they'll raise up followers. If they give away authority, they'll raise up leaders. Wow, okay. And that's Say that again. If, if they give away tasks, okay. they'll raise up followers. If they give away authority, they'll raise up leaders. That's good. So here, I'm a children's pastor. I've got a bunch of volunteers. You go to Costco. You go do this. You pick up the cupcakes. You pick up the toys for the kids. You do this. Run these papers. Give them a job where they can build their own kind of feeling of ownership. Because if you're just going to give away tasks, you're going to get the feeling back of a follower who doesn't have ownership. 
if you give away authority, like, hey, you're, you're, help me, even if it's a small area, you're in charge of all snacks for the kids. Like, that's your job. Right. Let's make it really good. Not just run an errand for me, but if you kind of right. make it a little bit more authoritative, you'll actually end up raising leaders. When you raise up leaders, you have greater ownership. Wow. So, so they basically take, give them ownership of that area. Absolutely. Ownership. Yeah. And it, again, it may not be a huge area where it's like, okay, maybe you got to, like I said, whatever, snacks for the kids or whatever, or, right. okay, hospitality for the worship team, let's say, or for the green room or whatever. I don't know, whatever. Where it's like, give them ownership. If it feels, teach your team to not make it feel like a task. Okay, yeah. I need you to run these errands. Here, pick up this food items from Costco. That's just an errand boy. No. Right. No, I want you to own it. Mm-hmm. Now, when you give away authority over that, even if it's just snacks for the green room, or I know that's real small, but it's like even that small, make it feel like they own it. Because when you give away the authority, you'll right. get leadership. You'll raise up leaders and you'll raise up ownership. If you give away task, all you do is raise up followers. And mm-hmm. it'll be a very loose commitment that way. Teach your team to make it feel like they're giving away authority because when they feel like they're giving away authority, they'll get leadership and ownership. So what you were saying earlier, I think when you was here, you said if somebody can do something 80%, you can't give it to them and let them run it, let them own it. That's right. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Yeah. And uh, yeah. And maybe, maybe it's like, I could do it a little bit better. Oh yeah. But the little bit better isn't, going to change the world. Like, oh, I wouldn't have had that kind of snack. I would have laid it out this way. Who cares? Let right. them own it. Help help them along the way, but let them own it. Absolutely. If they can do it, you know, and they're ready to do it at that 75, 80%, just give it to them and let them run mm-hmm. and let them feel authoritative because that will be so much greater than being an errand boy or girl because that, mm-hmm. that definitely does not raise up leaders or ownership. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. All right, I have another question. Uh, Leadership. Yeah. How do we help flip the switch from our leaders, not being just managers, but the leaders and development? Probably sort of answered it earlier. No, no, that's good. So, how do we get people to go from feeling like managers to feeling like leaders? Right. Well, I think, first of all, surprisingly, I think it starts with the staff. Okay. Because I've noticed a lot of staff that I'll meet a lot of, you know, I'm in a lot of churches' lives or whatever. I meet a certain staff and I'm like, even your staff operates more like managers than leaders. Mm. Even the, even the, so when we start thinking about oh, tier two level or tier three level of leadership, they're not thinking like leaders. They're thinking more like managers. Like, well, actually your staff is actually thinking that way. Mm-hmm. And you got to get your staff to start thinking a little bit differently. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and that's such an important part of it. So I think first, let's start at the top, and let's just assume that maybe the staff is kind of feeling that way. Um, and, and the way that you kind of move that is managers are all about doing and okay. fulfilling tasks. A true leader thinks differently. A true leader thinks, how can I get more people involved? How can I give away the authority? How can I structure this to, to, <clears throat> to give authority away? How can I do that better? And... I think, again, I think you start with, hey, guys, as if I'm you, here's my staff. I'm looking at my staff going, guys, we've got to start thinking like leaders. And here's how leaders, and here's, here's a, <laughs> it's a whole different lesson, but <laughs> here's how leaders think. We always ask what leaders do. We rarely ask what they think. 
Mm-hmm. Here's how leaders think, guys. Here's how they think. Here's what they do. Here's how they perform. Here's how they act. And you got to get your your team thinking like, okay, it's not about doing. It's about leading. It's not about okay. giving away tasks. It's about giving away authority. It's about creating a structure. It's about um, raising up people to do things. I think I shared with you one time. I remember it was quite a while ago at this point. I'm walking down the hallway of one of our campuses, and uh, and uh, a um, assistant children's pastor. She's brand new on the team, and I barely knew her first name. And and she's walking by, and and uh, and I was at the campus. We have 12 campuses at the time, or 10 campuses at the time. And I was walking by, and she's like, "Oh, Pastor Curtis, I'm on staff now." I'm like, "You are." I didn't even know. And she's like, "I don't know. I'm on staff. They just hired me a few months ago, and I love it." She went on and on, like, "Oh, it's so great, and I work so hard, and I get here at eight in the morning. I stay until eight at night because I love my job." And I think she was kind of telling me, you know, that to kind of like, "Hey, boss," or "Hey, you know." main guy or whatever, uh, you know, here's, here's what I'm doing. And, um, what's interesting is she, she was going on and on about how much she loves the job and how hard she's working and she gets there at eight in the morning, eight at night and da, 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 da. And I put my hand up and I'm like, I go, hold on. We'll call her Jessica. I said, hold on, Jessica. And, uh, she goes, what? And I go, I think you got it all wrong. And Joe, the look on her face was like, mm-hmm. wow. <laughs> she was like, What's you wrong? Know, <laughs> what did I do wrong? You know, I go, I think you got it all wrong. And she was, what do you mean? I said, I think you think we hired you to mm. do all of this. We right. didn't hire you to do all this. We hired you to raise up people to do all of this. Right. Do you see how that just it changes? Yeah. It's a flip. So if you're able to talk to your team and go, guys, you're not on this team to do this. Right. You're on this team to raise up leaders and tribes and volunteers to do this. That that's wow, not that's why you're here. Right. And and it, it I think you can flip the switch in people's mind to go, "Whoa, I'm not here to do that." And I think they think they really are. Right. They're the ones staff members. I was talking to a children's pastor a while back. You know, I was coaching a whole team, and the children's pastor pulled me aside during the lunchtime we we're having, and she's like, "I'm so busy with this, that, and I had to run to Costco three times this week," and I'm like. Why are you running to Costco? I don't understand. Right. Why are you running? Why are you running to Costco? Uh, you should not be running to Costco. Right. Uh, and so, you know, you have other people to do that. So it's a, it's a switch. It's just it's a switch. switch. Yeah. You got to switch over in the mind. So I don't know if that helps, once, but yeah. And once they switch over, they're not just manager doing tasks, and they're really pointing to people. Then you're going to see explosion. You Absolutely. Know, in and then what they're going to do is they're going to they're going to go to their next tier of level leaders and start teaching the same. Hey, yeah. start raising up team. It's you're raising layers of leaders, not doers. Layers of leaders, not managers. Such an important part. And the one thing I've said, you've heard me say it, but um, I think it is so good to drill into your team over and over because language shapes culture ultimately. And here's that line: is um, a leader's strength is found more in their absence than in their presence. Mm. Such an important part. Like, guys, let me tell you your strength. It's when you're not here. We'll see what we really have. So if you're absent and everything falls apart, you're not being a very good leader. Exactly. (laughs) But if if you get pneumonia for eight weeks and everything just keeps thriving, you're an incredible leader. And what's funny is, is... Some leaders would be like, man, if I raise up great, great leaders and I have a great team and I'm absent for eight weeks because I got pneumonia and everything runs great and keeps on growing, the pastor's going to realize he doesn't need me. I'm like, not a good pastor. Right. <laughs> a, mm. a, a good pastor is going to go, you're an amazing leader. Right. 
whoa, we never want to lose you. Right. You're, they think they're working themselves out of a job as if they won't have one. No, what you're working you're yourself really out of. Exactly. It's like, right. who doesn't want you? Everybody right. wants yeah. you across America if you can raise up leaders. People don't mm-hmm. get that. If you can be an amazing leader that builds leaders and raises people up, yep. man, you will never lack for a job in the church world. Everybody mm-hmm. wants you. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's what I would do. I think it's a mind shift. It's this a mind shift. All yeah. right. All righty. I think I have one more question. Yes, sir. Uh, we are currently running between 225 and 250. All right. So what is the next ceiling? And then what areas do we need to look forward to to get ready to that next level? Oh, that's good. So you run around 225, 250. And I was just at the church a few weeks ago. And man, it's you guys are doing a great job. The energy, the the vibe, you got great people. Um, I was just there a few weeks ago doing a rescue Sunday and helping yep. rescue mm-hmm. churches, and uh, uh, which I'm so grateful for. Uh, appreciate the partnership. But you got a great church. It's moving in the right direction. That next level uh, starts looking at, okay, how do we get this thing to 500, which okay. is doubling, but it's the next kind of block. Uh, the few areas that I would, the, the few areas I would look at is first, I would look at, um, it, the difference as you get bigger is, is really defined by the kind of leaders that you attract. Okay. That really is the difference. Um, one of the biggest difference you're going to find my own coach taught me that, uh, I've had the same coach for many, many years and he's the best. And, um, he always says, man, as you get bigger, you'll notice it's the defining of who you have on your team. You know, you think about it, again, baseball is always my analogy because I love it. People listen to my podcast are probably tired of my baseball analogies. But take all the pro teams. I think there's 30 of them. Take all the pro teams. They all have amazing stadiums. They all have pretty much any equipment that they want. Uh, you know, they play on the most amazing field, turf, dirt in the world, right. you know, they all pretty much have almost everything is the same. The only difference is the team that they're building wow. and the level of talent that they're raising up. At the end of the day, that's really what it is. Now, there's other things, but the, 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 the playing field that's even is they all have amazing equipment, anything they want. They all have amazing fields. They all have amazing, you know, whatever. They can practice as much as they want. They have all the most amazing everything in the world. The only thing that that makes the difference between them is leadership and who they surround themselves with. Think about that. Who's got the greatest leadership on the team and who's got the greatest players on the team? That's who's probably going to win. And uh, and now take that and move that over to church. Okay, Who do you surround yourself with? Who's the top? If you take you, Joe, and your top three or four or five leaders, that'll determine how far you go. Okay. A lot of it has to do with putting yourself around the best leaders possible. Who mm-hmm. Can I get the best leaders possible? Can I get incredible people around me? Then the other part is, can we sustain the growth? So it's all about great leaders. You got to get sevens and eights around you. But then also, can you sustain the growth? What I mean by that is, all of a sudden, if it's, man, we're growing like crazy, do, is, will our systems handle it? Do we have... Mm-hmm system that moves people, like we talked about earlier, do we have a system that moves people through, gets them engaged? Do we have that processes in place? The, the thing I always liken it to is it's kind of like a, um, I don't know, a, a, 
a fold a fold up table, you know, one of those banquet type tables, you know, that we all have in church world. You know, if I stand on it, that's one thing. You stand on it, okay, maybe it can hold us. But by person four or five or six, that table's crashing. Mm-hmm. Flip that over to the church. Yeah, your yeah. table, church, yeah, I can handle right. 200, maybe even 300. I don't know if it's ready to handle 500. And so that's where you're like, do we have the systems in place to handle the additional weight that people create? So I would look at the leadership that you surround yourself with and the systems. Are they in place enough to be able to handle all of that? And, and, that, and then the third thing I would add to that is just, again, that staff, that level of your staff, their ability to recruit, their ability to build teams. One thing I always talk about is corporate averages. So if you take the lead pastor, and let's say he's a seven on a scale from one to 10, but he's got himself a bunch of twos, he's no longer a seven anymore. He's more like a four because of the, the corporate average. So you got to get your team going up. So I'd look at who's the three or four people closest to me. Do I have sustainability in my systems? And do I have the staff that is raising up leaders, recruiting, thinking like leaders, like if, if the pastor's going up, the rest is staying down here, it's, you're right. going to have a problem going up. Everybody's got to go up together. So that those are the things that I would focus on. I looked at the church, and I, I don't have any doubt that 500 is possible uh, moving to that next level. I've seen the church. I've seen you guys. I think it's possible. But I would really hone in on those things uh, mm-hmm. because it will make a big difference in the, in the church. So, yeah, When man. you're bringing leaders yep. in— when do you try? I mean, you, first of all, you try to develop them up, yep. but then also, do you bring some in too? And where do you balance? I, I think it's both. I think it's both. Uh, I think that you are raising people up. I think you're identifying. I think raising people up inside of your system is always right. the best because there's the the reason it's always the best is you have a you know their track record, and they're already fit your culture. You bring someone in the outside, you have a track record that. They probably bolstered up themselves, which we all, okay. you know, resume do. <laughs> right, but yeah. they also, um, you don't know if it's a culture fit. You don't know if it's right, ultimately yeah. going to be a culture fit at the end of the, I mean, you try your best, but but right. uh, you don't know. So you, you got to do both. I mean, both are going to happen. But okay. knowing who you're putting yourself around, raising up those level of leaders. One thing I would encourage you to do, Joe, is... What does a great leader actually look like? Instead of a list of 29 things, what are six or seven things that's like, man, this is to me what a level eight or more looks like. You, okay. I think you have to know that right? so you know what's not that. Right. Yeah. So you're looking at someone going, because you may like them. Nice right. person, really faithful, like them a lot, love them a lot, love hanging out with them, but... They're not ready to be at that level. You got to know what does that level look like? What is the, you know, the little checklist to say, hey, these seven things, that's what I'm really looking for. And, you know, just as a kind of a starter for you is I love people that are self-motivated. I do not want to have to, okay, buddy, come on, work on your youth ministry, work on, come on, you got to raise up people. Like, I don't want to do that. You're going to start playing in this league. You're going to already be motivated to, I don't need to be standing behind you trying to, Help you right. get, do for your sure, job man. that you're getting paid for. Uh, I love that. That's one self-motivated natural builders. I love <laughs> I love leaders that are just natural builders. They just know how to build things. You know, you're a builder. You got your own company on the side. You know how to build. You're a builder. You got to find people that are just builders. Like, hey, I don't. I give me the worship department and I'll build this thing. 
Yeah. Uh, but th- those are just a couple that I think are really important because when you don't have natural builders and right. you know what this is like, you hire a staff, you got someone on the staff and you're like, every three right. months I got to talk to them about like, come on, get it in gear. Let's go. It's like, man, who wants to, I, <laughs> I don't want to spend my time doing that. I want to, <laughs> I want to hire people that just run. I want to hire people that right. I have to slow down. Right. Yeah. Not that I have to. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. Okay, dude, bring it over here. You know, like I'd rather the old saying. I'd rather you know, I'd rather tame a wild horse than have to raise a dead one. And uh, just being able to just have people that are motivated and builders. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I would have you encourage you to create your own. Like, who to me is a level seven, eight, nine, ten leader? Mm -hmm. Find those kind of people. Get those. I'm telling you, get amazing leaders around you, and watch what happens to your church. Good. good. And you're not talking about getting 25. Your top right. three or four. Who's the right. top three or four? Are they that high level? It mm-hmm. will always do that. Do not just say, do not just say faithfulness. They got a good heart. <laughs> <laughs> Love Jesus, you know. <laughs> Love Jesus, faithful, got a good heart. I'm like, well, yeah, that's yeah. half your church. Uh, mm-hmm. You're looking for people that are builders, that are motivated, right. that know how to get things done, that you don't have to look over, constantly check on them. So right. I'd encourage you to think about that as well. So. Well, dude, it's always good talking with you, man. Yeah, and, good uh, insight there. Yeah, ah, you're a great leader. Keep up the amazing work. Thanks for again for your partnership with helping us rescue churches. You always, yeah. use, you're so awesome in doing that, and you, you have such a kingdom heart. So, thanks, man. Right. Appreciate it, Joe. All righty, God All right. bless you. Thanks, buddy.